Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. AJ's from AJ's Pizza is going to join us in just a second here to kick off hour two. Moj is coming up at 730. Uh, hour two of this program is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Beer, pizza, together at last. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime Craft Beer is full flavor without compromise. It's at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech. There you go. Waiting for Jason to turn his mic on. Yeah. yeah. What are you waiting for? Twice. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a button. It's a Friday. I'm uh, phoning it in. So the New York Post has an article out right now, ironically enough, talking about the New York Islanders and their love of pizza. So I guess the the guy that's doing the beat, the Isles beat for the post now. Is it like killing their season? Like we're, we're all 10 pounds overweight. No, they're thriving, oh, okay. Jason. <laughs> they're thriving. <laughs> they are playing well. They are. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So the, the, the beat writer for the post noticed that, you know, you hang around the team and you see the change areas and the tunnels and the, the bowels yeah. of the arena. Horv- I bet Horvath's just like, I like a cheese pizza. He does. I was getting, you stole my joke. <laughs> I was setting up this entire bit. To finish with a Bo Horvat got adventurous and ordered cheese on his pizza. I'll have the cheese pizza and the chicken fingers, please. But this guy, Ethan Sears nope, nope, from the too Post. Too much cheese. Send <laughs> it back. <laughs> Ethan Sears from the Post, he actually, he did the deep dive on the post-game pizza, right? And the, and the players. The deep dish on the post-game pizza? There you go. The players were like, yeah, like one. So there's a couple of interesting things here. One, all the players acknowledged that they're not, it's not just the Islanders. Like every team do this. There's pizza post game right away. So as mm. soon as you get off the ice, you can't wait an hour to go on the plane and sure. eat. Yeah. You need to carb and you need to get full right away. Secondly, they all love it. This is like they're like yeah, like the I, more than the win. I look forward to the post. <laughs> yeah, it's the, like you're a little kid. And the win was great, but the pizza party was awesome. I was like, that was me and Little League. Like, yeah, are we going to McDonald's after? <laughs> Anders yeah. Lee was like, I love the pizza part. Like I would like to talk about this for an incredible length of time. And finally. Uh, I did not realize this, but the strength and conditioning coach is in charge of ordering. Mm-hmm. And he needs to get the timing right and the amount right. And, you know, not too much cheese for Bo. Right. <laughs> it upsets his tummy. So there's all this. Anyway, go check it out. New York Post. Uh, it just came out a few hours ago. And our next guest was the one that actually turned me on to this article. It's AJ from AJ's Pizza. He joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, AJ? What up, guys? Uh, the, the band is back together. I know that article is amazing yeah do you, do you have like pizza google alerts or something like that <laughs> yeah i do probably 100 <laughs> but <laughs> you have to but no the new york post just don't read the first 30 pages just go right to the sports <laughs> right okay uh aj i heard you had a question for me i do uh would you rather rip the band-aid off and just have the packers win or would you like to kick the can down the road my friend uh, I want a playoff game. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. do? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you that. No, no, no. I, I want a playoff game, and this is probably going to anger some Cowboys fans out there. I wouldn't mind a crack <laughs> at the Cowboys because the Seahawks would have nothing to lose, and the Cowboys just, like, they just have this history of getting into the playoffs and, like, something goes wrong. Now, I think if Seattle went to Dallas and played the Cowboys, they'd be 
What do you think the line on that would be? Nine and a half or something like that? In like the playoffs? Be, that's yeah. high, but I, I mean, yeah, it'd be at least a touchdown. It'd be at least a touchdown. Yeah. But I, I think I, I just, I think I just, yeah, like I, I know you're, I know you're a Cowboys fan, AJ. Like, is <laughs> when you, when you go into the playoffs, is there just that feeling like, oh God, what is going to go wrong this time? It's like I figure I, I'm, I'm so hopeful, and then I'm like the kid who somebody finally told that there's no Santa Claus. Right, right, yeah. Right, like it's just going to happen. It's just, it's, it's, it's inevitable. That Mike McCarthy's going to do something, whoever's coaching, it's just, it's an, an inevitability. Yeah. They're going to stub their toe. So, I mean, I mean, I just, I still remember when like Tony Romo, um, like couldn't, what was that? What was it? like he, he fumbled the hole or something. He fumbled yeah. the snap on the extra point, right? 2005. And that was a long time ago now. And, <laughs> and I know the Cowboys are, I know they're good, and and I'm not saying that the Seahawks would beat them. Like, believe me, I'm not saying that. But there's that chance that they could be I part of a Cowboys. Percent chance. Yes, it's the Cowboy legacy of of, of losing somehow. Yes. 100%. Okay, so this weekend, uh, what a great weekend for sports, and by nature, a great time to come by and eat pizza and drink beer and all that stuff. So there's two games on, two NFL games on Saturday, 14 on Sunday. Uh, it's an awesome weekend for football. There's a Canucks game on Saturday as well, 4 o'clock, so it's an early start. Uh, what's going on at the restaurant? What can folks look forward to if they come by AJ's on Saturday it'll be it'll It'll be awesome. Um, and and then, obviously, we have that Monday night with the Huskies, which is going to be great. Right. But uh, we're going to be going into the playoffs. We're going to be trying out some new sandwiches, like a triple, triple chopped Italian sub. So we'll be featuring some of those this weekend and the weekends to come. So... On top of the pizza and beer and, and kind of like a playoff weekend, it should be great. Sounds good. AJ, thanks for doing this, bud. We appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. We'll do this again next Friday. Thanks, gents. Everybody have a good one. Yeah, you too. That's uh, AJ from AJ's Pizza. Come get a slice of Brooklyn in Vancouver. AJ's Pizza on East Broadway. Authentic Brooklyn-style pizza. Dine in or order online at AJ's.pizza. They've made it so easy for you to order online. Dot pizza? Anyone can remember that, right? Yeah. Right? Dot Pizza. He screwed it up already. That's fine. Um, Let's do some Ask Us Anythings. Yeah. A reminder, get yours in. Dunbar number text line is 650 $100 gift card to AJ's. We'll announce it, what, like 830? We'll do it in the final segment of the show. $100 gift card to the best Ask Us Anything submission. Hashtag it AUA and put a pizza emoji. Pizza emoji into your text. Go. Uh, Ask Us Anything unsigned. Do you have any concerns with how EP, Elias Pedersen, has been invisible for the past little while? This is the second time it has happened. Well, I don't think it's fair to call him invisible um, in every game. I thought he was very good against the Ottawa Senators. Great. Um, you know, did he play a big role in yesterday's game? No. That was what Rick Tockett said afterwards, not just about Pedersen. He said, we got to get some guys going. And I think he was talking about the guys in the top six. And we've talked a lot about Petey and his game where it's at and it's a good debate because there's a lot of opposing points you're like yeah something even if you think like yeah something about pd just you know isn't right well look at his point totals they're they're pretty good and then you also can say he also hasn't had consistent wingers that's what if someone was to ask me what's wrong with pd i would be like the guys he's playing with yeah i think it's i think it's a little bit of everything to be perfectly honest with you, I got a question for you right yes. now, Halford. What do you think Petey is thinking about the future in Vancouver? I think he's gonna he's gotta be supremely optimistic about what they've done 
under Rick Tockett. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in the same breath, uh, he's like, when are you going to get me a running mate? Are you confident, though? Like, I have no idea what no Petey's idea. thinking. No idea. I and mean, Petey's so guarded. Yeah. I mean, so, so I got, yeah. I, got, I got a little story that might lend a... Uh, lend, here's a little story here's a little like story. to tell. Okay. Um, the boy had a hockey tournament. Um, Petey? No, no, no. The boy. The stepson boy. Had a hockey tournament um, out in Surrey over the holidays. And I was coaching. And look, he's only seven years old. He was playing with seven and eight-year-olds, and they did not play well. And we had a long drive back and forth every time. And after one particularly tough game, um, it was pretty quiet in the car, and it was it was it was night. And I thought, like maybe he might even be sleeping back there. And I'm I'm thinking up front. I'm like, you know, like I wonder what he's thinking about the game, like. Right. Like, what, I wonder, like, oh, I wonder what he's thinking about that pass that he made, like, right up the middle that that resulted in another team's goal. And like, I wonder what he's thinking about that. And then up pipes this little voice, Jason. And I'm like, oh, he's gonna ask me a hockey question. Then he goes, Are ninjas a real job? See, he was thinking about yeah. <laughs> that's a like, really good question. Right? That is like, a good one. And I'm good like, and I'm like, and I'm like, you know what? That's exactly the way I feel about Petey. Like, I have no idea what this guy is thinking at any moment, just because he's pretty guarded and yes. he doesn't talk to the media much. Right. And right? can I, you imagine, like, if well, Petey's think- actually thinking, he's like. And Ardenant, is that a real job? And I was like, I don't think so anymore, but like, I think do, it used yeah. to be. And he's yeah. like, who do I even ask? Do I, is that my agent? Do I ask him about this? <laughs> Can I ask Patrick Elvin about this? I need Kids to know. love ninjas, man. Yeah, they just true. love the idea of ninjas. Um, what did you tell him? I said, no, not anymore, but they used to be. And then, and then we got into a whole thing like, well, what was their job? I was like, oh, I think they were like assassins. Right. And then he was like, do assassins still exist? I'm like, yeah, they exist. And Very then, much so. Yeah. <laughs> so we went down a road, but none of it was about hockey. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So the question is, we circle back to the the one you asked me, not about ninjas, but of <laughs> Pedersen. No, talk more about ninjas. Well, look, here's the thing. I know. I'm, it was like, you I'm know what? That's, on this that's way better than talking about hockey. Yeah. You got, I mean, I. You have to realize that there are lots of very recent examples of players like I thought you were gonna say ninjas. <laughs> and ninjas. Hey dog, you'd you'd love chats with the boy. Yeah. I feel really like he'd was. be on your level. Tell me about ninjas. Oh, I've been waiting years for somebody to ask me this. I got books on the subject. I mean, consider some of the very recent examples of guys that have parted ways with organizations for stuff that probably had nothing to do with hockey. Right, and I think the ones that always come to mind are Kachuk and Gaudreau. Yeah. Right. If you were to talk about the the presentation from the Flames, they'd be like, "Well, we're you guys are one of the most dynamic, two thirds of one of the most dynamic lines in hockey, Johnny and Matthew, and we made that we're a perennial playoff team, and we won a round, and yeah, we lost to the Oilers, but we got the Battle of Alberta back in the playoffs, and things are going great. We're going to be a good team. I'm out." <laughs> And then I'm gone. <laughs> I don't want any part of it. Right? And so He had that, his own dream about what his hockey career looked like. Well, in the case of Gaudreau, and he didn't even really have one. He's just, I'm, yeah, I don't maybe don't want to be in Calgary. And then he's like, I'll try this Columbus thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it all, and it, I mean, you want to talk about unprecedented behavior. That was it. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, and and it really disrupted Calgary as an organization. They managed to find some fairly decent footing, although it's been tumultuous. But uh, so I go back to your question about Pedersen. I would say like that could that could definitely be a dynamic where it's. Don't just, you think it's tougher than normal though with Petey than it would be with another player, just because of how guarded he is and how much of an introvert he is and how how little he likes to share. Well, no, I don't. You don't think it's any different. Uh, different how? Like, did you have any inkling that both those guys were going to bolt out of Calgary and no. end up in Florida no. and Columbus? No. no. So I don't think it's. I mean, and but there's some guys that Kachuk like, is as outspoken as they as they come, yeah. right? So I, I mean, but I don't know what he said in the. Uh, I don't know what he set up in the run up to all that. I would have followed it closer because I'd be a Flames fan. Yeah, but I mean, the, I guess the point is, is you're never going to really know because no one's ever really going to let you in. That's just the reality. There's, yeah. there's a closed circle with all of these individuals. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean professional athletes, specifically professional hockey players. Like, I still think if I were to make a prediction on this, it's not worth much. But I think my prediction is that he's going to sign a short-term contract. Three so or four some, years. You wanted to say something? Finish your discussion. So someone just texted in. So EP needs line mates to elevate him. Are there many 12-plus million players in the league that need players to prop them up? Dude. If you have a really good player, you team him up with another really good player. I don't know what to tell you. Connor McDavid has Leon Dreisaitl. Austin Matthews has William Nylander and Mitch Marner. Those guys are making 12 plus million dollars a year, and no one's saying, oh, look at the crutches they got beside them. Yeah, Connor McDavid has on his line right now Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman. Those are two really good players. I, they don't need to be elite level, but. Um, Elias Pettersson is playing with Ilya Mikheyev, who was a third liner in Toronto. And look, I like him as a player, but he's not a sniper. He has some goals this season, but I don't think anyone would consider him a sniper. Mikheyev's on pace to score then, a career high in goals. Not by much, but a career high. Yeah. That's probably because he's playing next to Elias Pettersson. Right. Pettersson's making him better. Yeah. If you want to talk about lifting your line mates, mm-hmm. right? And then the other side is a guy that keeps on getting healthy scratched or buried by the coach who, like, sits and benches him, or it's like Sam Lafferty. You're talking about, like, in, in Lafferty and McKay, I have all due respect to both guys, but you're talking about, like, you've got your... Former depth players from, from Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, cast-offs from the Maple Leafs are now your top-line wingers between, or, sorry, uh, on other side of Pedersen. Mm-hmm. Like, you, in order to be great and in order to win... You try and surround your best players with other really good players. And I'm not saying Mikheyev's not a good player. He is. But he's not an elite-level sniper. Go look at the other guys in the NHL that are in that conversation for high-end elite. Right? McKinnon, he's got Rantanen. Kucherov and Point. And throw Stamkos in there on occasion. Like These are, these are high, high-end guys. Top-line guys. I want to sniper circle, and finisher. I want to circle back oh, to sorry, the ninja uh, question. Yeah, passer yeah, yeah. and sniper, yeah. A lot of people uh, on the, ninja, in the, in the yeah, text line are like, so, more ninja talk, So please. ninjas most definitely were a job hired by feudal lords back yeah. in the day for Japanese uh, people that owned land back in the day. Uh, they were seen as a rung below samurai mm-hmm. due to their deceptive tactics. So were they used so in a defensive nature or more... Assa- I thought I was. It was more of an like offensive assassins. nature. It looks like. Right. Yeah, I'm no. I'm no ninja expert. Not, I'm not a dog, but I, I. From what I've researched here. 
That's what do you I guys think. remember? Yeah. You guys probably don't. Do you remember the run of ninja movies in the eighties? I think I went to like five or six birthday parties, all with like ninja movies. I got, a, I got a fun ninja fact for you. Yeah. Okay. The UK used to have a problem with ninjas. The UK had a problem with ninjas. Well, not like <laughs> there were there were a lot on the streets. Define problem. Maybe it's not like it was a ninja problem of ninjas like hurting people. I mean, like they didn't like the word ninja. And so with shows and movies, they would take the word ninja out of the, the text. So, for example, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the 80s in the UK was called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Why didn't they like the name? I, I, there's some historical precedence there that I don't know the oh, full okay. facts on, so I'm not going to like sp- right. speculate no, what it speculate. is. speculate. Do an A-Dog speculation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it has to do with aliens. I don't know why. but um, No, but they just didn't like the word ninja, so they would take it out of all the text. So yeah, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, if you ask some kid in the UK, hey, do you like that show? He's like, no, nah, man, it's Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Like, what are you talking about? Wow. Okay. That sounds so much worse than Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I know. Man, it's this, so weird. This ninja talk is keeping me going. We need more ninja talk. Um, Maybe unfortunately, a full day in it. Justin and East Van does not have a ninja question, but he has uh, a type of question. Anything, yeah. Ask us anything. If an NBA arena, a major league baseball stadium, and an NFL stadium with real grass magically appeared in the city, which existing franchises would you relocate to Vancouver? Okay. NBA, the Grizzlies. I'm getting them back. Screw Memphis. Okay, so let's just recalibrate this. It's basically the arena or the playing facility is of no concern. We've got it, right? So it's just getting the franchise. And And you can choose any franchise? Is that basically it? Uh, which existing franchise would you relocate mm. to Vancouver? So it doesn't have to be a struggling franchise. It can be anyone. So uh, taking the Grizzlies back out of spite would be fun. Yeah. Like, I think that's the most obvious one for me. I don't yeah. know about the other ones. Wait till though. the Sonics get their team back and then take the Sonics. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is evil. <laughs> Super that would ramp up the rivalry between Vancouver and Seattle. Oh, man. Super petty. I quite like that. Taking the Grizzlies back would be great. Mm. Um you know, I would kind of want to save the Oakland Athletics from going oh, to that's Las a good Vegas. One. That's a good one. And yeah. bring them up here. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. But that's also my personal affinity mm-hmm. for the A's from back in the day. You know, I don't know which NFL. And it's, I realize we're going down the road of which city could we spite the most. Mm-hmm. I don't know which NFL team I would probably want to take here. That's really interesting. I can't, Nothing jumps to mind. The Bills. Mm-hmm. They tried Toronto. Didn't work. Come out to Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah. The Bills, no, Buffalo needs the Bills. Buffalo needs the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo needs yeah. the Bills so bad, right? <laughs> uh, I would almost like, oh, I'll take the Seahawks out of Seattle and throw them in Vancouver. That would spice things up. No, I, li- I, li- I like, Why don't we just I like steal, the odd road trip, though. Steal all of Seattle sports teams except for the Kraken. Like, you can have them. By the way, we have aired greatly on the Seattle Kraken on this show over the last week, so I just want – we should mention one of the out-of-town scores from yesterday was the Seattle Kraken won again – they beat the Sens. The Sens are terrible. That, that's a really bad team. But they beat the Sens 4-1 at Climate Change Lemon Pledge Arena yesterday. And it continues to be your boy, Joey Dacord. Mm-hmm. Joey Dacord. What is going on here? He was like minutes away from a shutout. The streak was over five periods. Uh, 158 minutes and 35 seconds of consecutive yeah. shutout hockey for Joey Dacord, who somehow has saved the Kraken's season. And don't look now at the standings, but... They've won their sixth game in a row. They're in a playoff spot now. They're in the second and final wild card. You spot. nervous yet? 
Am I nervous about... Well, you guys have just been so dismissive of the Kraken up to this point. Well, I had them done and dusted. We Me were talking too. about yeah, who's going to uh, replace Dave Haxall. We were never talking about it. Yeah. I but mean, they're, they're not in by points percentage. Okay, okay Drance. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, Mighty percentage. They acquired Tatar. He scored a beautiful goal last night. I don't know if you guys saw his goal. but It's just it. one of the more improbable yeah. turnarounds because there were no signs that they were going to get it right yeah. because everything was going wrong. They weren't playing good hockey. And they had kind of become an afterthought because U-Dub has had this amazing run. Mm. The Seahawks are obviously very prevalent. They're just sort of like, eh. My question is, if they're having goaltending issues. Why did it take them so long to get to the point where they said, hey, let's try this goalie who took our AHL team to Game 7 of the final last year? Look it took them until now to give him a run of games? Like- I don't know. Like This is very unprecedented, obviously, in terms of um, where they found this guy in the organization. But then it's not because Toronto's got the exact same thing with Martin Jones right now. Mm-hmm. Like Martin Jones has come in and stabilized everything for them. Come wow. on. Wow. He's got we'll a 930 we'll save percentage. Smaller sample size Smaller than what the cord's yeah. working with. He has yeah. absolutely stabilized their goaltending right now. He's been he's been told he's been Martin Jones. He stop gapped their goaltending mm-hmm. for the time period. I wouldn't say stabilized. I would not I, I, use the word stable. You could absolutely just keep giving him games until Joe Wall is healthy and ready to come. You know, another team that that's playing well is Calgary. Yep, they're only two points back of the Kraken, and they have a game in hand on the Kraken. That whole <laughs> that whole um, list. Of teams, if you go from in the, the wild card, the, so you go Nashville, card, yeah. Seattle, Arizona, Edmonton, even St. Louis is playing a little bit better. Yep, Calgary. Um, I'm willing to say goodbye to Minnesota. I think yeah, Minnesota's toast. We and said then, that about Seattle, though. And then you know, then it's Anaheim, Chicago, and San Jose. Those teams have no chance at all. Before we go to break, here's one to keep your eye on because I was watching the end of their game yesterday. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are in a really bad way right now. And not a ton of people are talking about it because the record on paper looks fine. They're like 22, 12, and 5, right? But then you remember that they started the season 11, 0, and 1. Like they came out of the gates and they're like, we're the defending Stanley Cup champions. We're going to go undefeated. And then we're going to win the Stanley Cup again. And we're all like, yeah, it looks like it. You're 11, 0, and 1. Since then, big time stinker in the Winter Classic. Yeah, they're 11, 12, and four. Mm-hmm. They have the ninth worst record in the NHL over that time. They've lost six of seven. They lost two straight. Aiden Hill's hurt. Uh, Shea Theodore is hurt. And they came off the ice last night, 4 1 loss to Florida, where Barkoff and Evan Rodriguez got hurt early in the first period and didn't play. And they still lost 4 1 to Florida. So it's just something to keep an eye on because. If you follow the Vegas Twitter and the, the followers, like people are getting a little concerned and irate because it's not going very well. And it's been like this really since the end of November. So I'll be interested to watch where they go. They went from being atop the NHL standings to now they're, you know, basically like the third best team in the Pacific Division standings wise. Ramon, Ramon texted in. Speaking of the Wild, they played with a $32 million roster last game. Yeah, it was crazy how many, all the guys, like all their good players are out. Yeah. So and plus they've got the $15 million in dead cap. Is, Gustafson's out, Spurgeon's out. There was another. Vi- oh, um, Kaprizov because he got hurt yeah, by yeah, Brendan yeah. Dillon. Yeah. And who's who's the old guy again? Uh, Which old guy? The old guy in the wild. The Patrick forward. Maroon? No, no, no. The forward who's who's a good offensive player. He's, oh, Matt Zuccarello. Yeah, yeah. He's out too. The old guy. Yeah, <laughs> Any <yeah>. more specific? <laughs> no, Halford and I have been together long enough. We're just like I, you, you. You know what I like here, right? Yeah, do you know? I think the problem with the Golden Knights is. <laughs> Sorry. Why Vegas is struggling lately? What? Jack Eichel. 
Oh yeah, right. I forgot to mention Jack. Guy's Apple. a dud. Sabotage. Yeah, I say, the you know. Thing. Did you see him at the Winter Classic? He he couldn't beat Joey Decord. He was barely trying. Yeah. Okay, uh, we got to go to break. When we come back, Bob the Moj Marjanovic joins us on the Halford and Brev Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Moj. I did not eat four burgers. I don't want to go to Winnipeg. Nobody wants to go to Winnipeg. Yes, I love food. It's the most. I went online and kind of did a little serving. Jamalaya. Yes, it's the most. Halford's fine, but, you know, Brussels is grumpy all the time. Moach, 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 moach. There's something great about this show when this song is playing and then Laddie gets in my ear and he's like, we have Moj on the line. In case you didn't know, Moj is coming up. I think this might be my favorite jingle. This isn't a jingle. This is a song. Yeah, this is my favorite song. <laughs> Do not diminish my song by calling it a jingle. We have At some point, we're going to need to put together... Some sort of Spotify playlist. Well, I've thought about it, but I, I don't actually, I didn't write the music, right? To any of these, just the lyrics and, and the Oh, the I'm, aware. So no, I'm aware. So I can't hey, hey, put it up there the and take credit for it when it's not my music. Can't you give us the songwriters credit or isn't there some no. sort of joint credit you could do? Unless you work so. out like a deal with their lawyers. Yeah, just I'm, be like a crooked record executive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should just do it anyway see what happens. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Moj, how you doing, buddy? Games are decided in the trenches, by the way. I was listening. And I don't sound like that either, just to let you know. What did I sound like? You didn't sound like me, but you're trying to sound like me. Well, I, I, I mean, I made a good point, didn't I? Aren't, well, you uh, did. Yeah, yeah. Games are decided in the trenches. How are you guys doing today? On the second one, the penultimate day of Orthodox Christmas on Sunday. I wow. didn't even realize that. Did not know that. We're go. doing pretty well. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Moj, let's start with the Canucks, um, Kuzmenko, because I know you're a Canucks beat reporter now. Um, <laughs> where is this Where is this uh, Kuzmenko story going to go? It, it's interesting because, you, you know, right now, um, the fact of the matter is Rick Tockett doesn't trust Andre Kuzmenko, and you've seen that in the fact that he's scratching him on the road where he doesn't have last line change. And, you know, IMAC talked about this last night of the postgame. This isn't just Rick Tockett, guys. I mean, a lot of people are pointing the finger at Rick Tockett. Yeah, he's the head coach, right? We all agree on that. But this isn't just Rick Tockett saying, I'm benching him. This is There's plenty of discussion going on internally within the coaching staff with Adam Foote, with the Sedins, whoever. I mean, this is an organizational decision for the most part. And right now, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays itself out because Clearly, um, Kuzmenko is not doing the things that would endear him to talk it. You know, he's talked about the forecheck. He's talked about, you know, speed. Jeff Patterson had a great piece talking about speed bursts the other day. Um, but it, right now, the, the fact of the matter is they don't trust him. And until he regains the trust of the coaching staff, it's going to be a difficult decision for, or pardon me, a difficult situation for Andre Kuzmenko. Do you wonder, like I do, how much value a guy like Kuzmenko would have around the league, where on the one hand, you've got a guy that scored 39 goals last season, but on the other hand, is in this situation that he is right now? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously his value is down, and you never want to trade an asset when the value is down. Yet at the same time, if you do move him, you do have some extra cap space to play with. So, I mean, there is a positive to it. But, yeah, I, I mean, if you're a team that's looking at Kuzmenko, you're, you're probably a team that needs to, to toss the dice, so to speak, and try to bring in some scoring. Teams are always looking for additional scoring. Um, but, you know, teams aren't stupid either. They're probably seeing the same thing that the Canucks are seeing at certain points and wondering whether or not this guy would be a good fit within their system. We're speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj is a presentation of the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. It is the final weekend of the NFL regular season, Moj. Uh, for the Seahawks, it's pretty straightforward. If they win against Arizona, if the Packers lose to Chicago, they're in the playoffs. But we were just talking to Brady Henderson from ESPN weekend's game against the Steelers and how that might and probably will end up deciding the season more than what happens this weekend. Now, Jason was talking about winning and losing games in the trenches. I got to ask you, how demoralizing is it when you lose one of those games in the trenches? Well, I'll say this. When teams run the football on you and you know that they're going to run the football on you, and I'm not talking about teams running for, you know, 100 yards or 110 yards. I'm talking about, you know, when you're looking at numbers over 200, as we saw last week, or 250. I mean, I've seen games where teams have run for 300 yards. It is the most demoralizing thing in football. You know it's coming, and you can't stop it. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing more demoralizing for a team. And it kind of snowballs, fellas, and I know you guys were talking about tackling with Brady. Um, And... and You know, the thing with tackling is it's about attitude. It's about having that edge. And when teams start running the football on you and you can't do anything, it kind of snowballs. And what I mean by that is that you kind of lose that edge. You kind of get deflated, right, because you know you haven't been able to stop it, and it just kind of snowballs from there. And as a result, you see these games where where teams – you know, miss double-digit tackles like the Seahawks did last week. And, you know, teams run for over 200 or 250 yards. But, man, I'll say one thing, and, you know, just from experience and just being around the game, like I said, there is nothing, absolutely nothing more demoralizing to a team when a team, when the opposing team imposes their will on you. And right now the Seahawks got to figure out a way to improve defensively in terms of stopping the run. Moj, how do you teach tackling? Well, if you look at the Seahawks guys, they're probably one of the more advanced teams when it comes to tackling techniques. I know there's been a lot of stories about that in the last few years about Pete Carroll and what they do at practice to teach tackling. I mean, obviously it's very difficult because it's a full speed drill and you can't go full speed because if you do, you don't wind up with a bunch of injuries. So um, it's a situation where you just try to try to duplicate game situations as much as you can, even though it's, like I said, it's, frowned upon you don't really do it and I don't think coaching or technique in this instance is an issue because as I said the Seahawks have been known for their techniques and you know they've got those big huge donuts that they use and you know they talked about the rugby style of tackling that you know the the Seahawks have employed Um, to me it's it's an attitude right and you touched on this in the six o'clock hour it's Wanting to go out there and wanting to do it, and the other thing too that you have to have, you got to have, you have to have guys flying to the football. So in case one guy misses, you got somebody else that's going to clean up. Because the worst thing is, is that that one guy misses. Well, 
and, and you know, the guy is impeded. He's not impeded. He's going to continue to gain yards. So that's the other thing about tackling is you've got to do it in numbers. Uh, Moj, you've got a column coming up on Carson Soucy. Um, yeah. A lot of people in this market might have forgotten about Carson Soucy. Oh, yeah, that guy. Um, what's the column about? Well, it just talked a little bit about the rehab process. I mean, he's been out for seven weeks with that, I believe, no official word from the Canucks, but there have been reports that it is a fractured left ankle. Um, and, and he just talked about, you know, the grind. And, for you know, when you look at an athlete that's hurt, a lot of times they have to come into the facility before the, the rest of the team comes in there to work with the trainers, get their treatment, and then, you know, as the main group comes in, then they kind of go through their workout routine so, you know, he's, for the most part, I know he's back practicing with the team now and he's on the trip. But, you know, he comes in there early, does his treatment. Then when the team's on the ice, he's going through a workout session, comes back, you know, then the team's off the ice. He eventually winds up getting in there and gets more treatment, more rehab stuff. And then he's off. So it's, it, you feel very isolated, mm-hmm. especially when the team is on the road. So for Carson Sissy, we just talked a little bit about that grind, but you know, he's looking forward to getting back into the lineup. Um, he talked about the ankle. He said he's gone through, you know, most of these practices with it feeling really good. And that was one of the, the big keys for him was this little mini camp, I guess, that they had during the, the holidays of not having that many games and having so much practice time and that he feels very good. And, you know, conditioning's not going to be an issue for him. The biggest thing right now is just having confidence going into the game and having that ankle go through a game. But, you know, everything he told me was the fact that, He's feeling so good about it because, like I said, he's tested it so much in practice recently that he feels he's ready to go. Moj, um, we were talking about this earlier, Elias Pettersson. What do you think he's thinking about his future in Vancouver right now? Wow, that's a million-dollar question. And, you know, it's hard because you guys know what it's like. In in years gone by, you could kind of talk to players and, try to get a read on them and try to, you know, develop a little bit of a rapport and get a feel for where they're at. And the way things are structured now, that's extremely difficult to do. So it's Mm -hmm. not like you can sit there and kind of grab Pedersen off to the side one day and chat with them, try to get a feel. He's very guarded in terms of the way he speaks and in terms of his dealings with the media. So it's really tough to get a read, but, you know, if you're thinking about it, I mean, this is a payday for him, right? And he wants to basically maximize his value in terms of this contract. Um, I don't know. Like, like I said, guys, for me with Pedersen, there's always the, there's this there's this question mark. And do you guys get the same feeling? Yes. Like, you know, just in terms of trying to read him, in terms of trying to get his his read on the fu- his future in Vancouver. He's, he's it, very guarded, and, and I think he's probably an introvert that really doesn't like discussing it with people outside of his circle. Yeah. And, and, and hey, fair enough. That, it's tough I to get it. a read on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you think his season has gone? Because you, there are not wildly varying opinions, but there are some people that say, look at his point totals and look at the players he's playing with. He's not exactly playing with superstars on his line. He's having an unbelievable season. And then others, I think a lot of them just watch him. They're like, yeah, he doesn't seem to be making the same impact on the game that he has in the past. Well, I think, and I touched on this last week, when you look at players that put up huge point totals, 
um, eventually evolve. If you want to become a championship caliber player, you eventually evolve into a much sounder defensive player. And maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, his point totals aren't where they are for some people. But at the same time, this team is winning hockey games. You look at his numbers. I mean, to double his points from where he's at now, he's pretty much, I think, just shy of the pace that he had last year. So I'm not overly concerned about, you know, his, how would you put it, lack of production compared to maybe the first uh, quarter of the season compared to the second quarter. Um, we'll see what happens the rest of the year, but I, I don't think it's push the panic button when it comes to Elias Pedersen, right? And so, I mean, you look at last night's game against St. Louis. I, I don't know, is it just me? But, I mean, do you think Rick Tockett was a little bit more steamed after the Ottawa game, the way his team played in the last two periods, than he was last night? I mean, last mm. night when he was asked about the game and what happened, he just kind of came out and said, hey, you know, we had some glorious chances in the third. We didn't hit the net. They had a chance. They capitalized, right? I think he was probably more happy. I shouldn't say happy, but just he looked at last night's game and figured, hey, these guys played in a tight game. They stuck to the staples. Unfortunately, we didn't capitalize on the opportunities that we did. But if we continue to play this way and follow this process, we should be okay. I think he was a little upset that his top players, ultimately, none of them got on the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, it was they had the chances. They had the looks, mm. right? I mean, Besser, Besser Luger, had a great chance, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm. Besser's was a great A, prime yeah. opportunity that he didn't capitalize on. So... But, you know, just hearing his comments, it sounded like, hey, we had our opportunities tonight. We didn't capitalize on if we want to win. And we have to capitalize on those opportunities. And I think they have the offensive firepower that if they do, they will capitalize on those opportunities. Okay, Moj, it's Ask Us Anything Friday. I've got Love one. It. We're, go- we're going a little off script here. A non-food Ask Us Anything for Moj. Okay, here we go. This is from Troy, the soon-to-be-retired. Oh, sorry, now he is retired. Troy, the retired bread guy. Ask us anything. As someone who is in his last weeks in Canada before moving to Thailand, Moj, if you could live anywhere, money notwithstanding, where would you choose to live? Or is it here in Vancouver? Well, Vancouver is beautiful. Yes. Um, no question. Um, that is a great question. It you know, probably question. Hawaii. Yeah. But here's the concern about Hawaii. I love going to Hawaii. I love the scenery. I love the ocean, the palm trees, all that. But I often wonder about the isolationism that you would have mm-hmm. in Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, here in Vancouver, hey, you want to go to a Seahawks game? Fine. Drive a couple hours here in Seattle. You can go to a Seahawks game. Hey, you know what? Want to go to Chicago next weekend? Boom, three-hour flight. Well, mm-hmm. you want to go from, say, Honolulu to Chicago? That's a different story, right? So I, I kind of wonder about what it would be like living there just because of the fact that you're so isolated. But one of the most beautiful places on earth if you ask me and i'm not talking about waikiki i'm talking about like maui and the other parts of hawaii where it's not as commercialized now i thought you were going to say winnipeg but alas hawaii (laughs) is a very good choice so hey hamilton i'd rather go to hamilton than winnipeg ask laddie that right that's on the uh brochure when you get to hamilton Uh at least we're not winnipeg i'd rather be here than winnipeg (laughs) i was having a fun time with the connect trainers the other day the fact that um, Patty O'Neill is originally from Winnipeg, the Canucks longtime trainer, and Red Hamilton he used to, of course, work with the BC Lions. I said, how does this work out? Are you guys in the NHL, you play, what, 82 games? You guys go to Winnipeg once, and it's in late April. We had to go to Winnipeg three times, and there's only like 18 games in the CSL. Well, Do the math on that. We were actually discussing how the Canucks got screwed with their schedule because they wasted their Florida trip in October. Mm. And now they've got to go through Buffalo, 
Columbus. Uh, Columbus Pittsburgh. in January. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure the guys, the, the media guys that cover the team were especially frustrated when they saw the Florida trip in October because that's the one you want right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting with certain cities, and I'm going to use Ottawa as a prime example. I'm talking to their longtime play-by-play voice of the, the Red Blacks, A.J. Jakovic, and every time we go to Ottawa, we love it. It's, and Ottawa in the summer is extremely underrated. Right. I mean, they've got the market district there. I mean, you know, usually you stay by one of the hotels by Parliament, the Parliament building. So you can take a nice stroll up there on a nice day, maybe head over to the market district for like a bite to eat. But he said that the CFL guys love Ottawa because they always come in the summer. Right. Mm -hmm. The NHL guys (laughs) that come in the winter, it's a different story. And I know Ottawa, what it's like in the winter. My daughter used to go to school there. So it's just like it's not pretty in the winter. Right. So with, with certain cities, there's like, you know, it's like a hit and miss. I mean, if you go to the right time of the year, it's great. If you go to other times, not so good. Moj, you're the best, bud. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Enjoy all the games this weekend. We'll do this again next Friday. Okay, boys. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. That's Bob. Bob I almost called him something else. Bob Marjanovich. The Moj here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, a presentation of the Clayton Public House. Uh, it is Ask Us Anything Friday here on the program. I have two because I'm good at my job and diligent, and I've been flagging texts all morning is that your new year's resolution to be better at what we learn flag text and ask us anything okay call ask ask us anything what do you think will be the biggest local sporting event this year i'm thinking Lionel messi's visit in may could make the top of the list unless the canucks have a deep playoff run uh since we just spoke to the play-by-play voice of the BC Lions, we should mention that the Grey Cup will be mm-hmm. in Vancouver next year. I think that'll be pretty big. It's the 111th Grey Cup, November 17th, 2024. And the Lions could be in it. The Lions could be in it, so that'll be big. But I, the messy game, the uh, Inter-Miami game, right now is the leader for 2024. I've actually heard from a few people that bought season's tickets oh, yeah. to make sure that they had tickets for that game. I have heard crazy anecdotal Evidence about how out of control those tickets are already. They're not going to reach Taylor Swift levels, are they? No, because there's too much risk. Yeah, because might not play. Well, okay, so there's there's an entire sidebar discussion. Taylor Swift doesn't come to Vancouver and be like, I don't, I don't perform on turf. (laughs) I don't like it. It hurts my knees. (laughs) Um, There's a definite angle to all of this that because Inter Miami, for those that are unaware. Inter-Miami is not just really... I mean, it is messy, but they also signed Luis Suarez, mm-hmm. and they already had a couple ex-Barcelona It's all guys. messy, though. It's messy. No, it's messy. what's happening right now is um, MLS is in a real interesting moment with Apple TV mm-hmm. because they're going into the second year of this landmark uh, rights agreement, right? And it's pretty... That un- not everyone loves. It's pretty unique, and no one really... Here's the thing. No one has had a look behind the curtain. So there's a certain mark that needs to get hit with subscriptions and money before um, MLS starts seeing some significant revenue from it. It's a very unique revenue share. Yeah. It's never been done before. What's going on here? I, they and, and the highlight, the crown jewel of this whole thing is that, well, if you want to watch Lionel Messi play, you're going to need to subscribe to Apple's MLS package. Now, what that means is Messi and this traveling roadshow, no way's into Miami, are going to have to play a lot. Mm-hmm. They can't be taking a lot of games off, turf or otherwise, because they're a marquee. They are the marquee attraction right now. They're going to every Canadian city, aren't they? Montreal, Toronto, too, right? Yep. And 
I think what's going to happen is because Messi is also intertwined in this, like mm-hmm. he has a stake in all of it. These games are not going to be like previous iterations of, you know, older stars coming to MLS and saying, I'm not playing in Vancouver's too far to travel or the turf's no good there or whatever. Like, I think that they're going to be promoted and pushed to play a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is so you can see messy, but again. But is it going to come? Is it like, could you see. Inter Miami come to Vancouver and then Messi comes off the bench in the 70th minute or something. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't have a good handle on this because the the, the league is bent over backwards to surround Messi in Miami with all of his ex running mates from Barcelona. <laughs> Messi's like, this is a lot of work. I should have just gone to Saudi Arabia. You know, like, there's less travel. <laughs> so I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but that game in May is going to be one of the biggest on the calendar. Shout out to Colin and Tawasin. Uh, Here's another Ask Us Anything before we go to break. Unsigned, so it must be from Gary. Ask Us Anything. If the Seahawks fail to reach the playoffs, gentlemen, which team will you guys be cheering or rooting for to win the Super Bowl? Super easy. Cleveland Browns, Joe Flacco. Yeah. Go, go, go. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I'm already looking at a 49ers-Ravens Super Bowl. Tantalizingly, I think it'll be a great game. I think they're the two best teams in the NFL. Chances are that one of them won't make it, though. I, here's the thing. And I was going to ask uh, Tannier and Nick Shook about this, but we ran out of time during the week. In the AFC and the NFC, so in the NFC, who's going to be the banana peel, the slip-up game for the Niners? Mm-hmm. Do you have one that jumps to mind? Um, maybe the Cowboys? Maybe the Cowboys. But they yeah, got to go yeah. through San Francisco? Yeah. The Cowboys are a different team in Dallas than they are on the road. Mm-hmm. And then in the AFC... If you had to, what's the one team that jumps out right away? That's I gonna, think KC, just because of their history. Eesh, I don't know. I know they don't look good, but just they because look of awful. their history, none of their receivers can catch the football. Well, it's funny too, because like I might even say the Bills, but they might not even they make might the not playoffs. Even get in. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd they're say, very likely to make it, but there are some scenarios where they couldn't make. I it. I would have had time for the Miami Dolphins before. <laughs> They went out and lost fifty six to nineteen to the aforementioned. Yeah, Baltimore but Ravens. doesn't doesn't that in some ways like you're not, you're gonna you're, the second game isn't gonna go exactly like that? Right? But I'm just There's saying that, that didn't give made. me a lot of hope. Yeah, that you know that offense, especially if they got to go to like really ugly weather Baltimore yeah. to try and win a game, they're just gonna zip it around. Mm-hmm. Like I think Baltimore is gonna smack them in the mouth, right? Right. So I don't I don't know, but it, but I would love to see Joe Flacco and the Browns go on a run. I think it'd be, be a great incredible. story. For so many reasons, not just Flacco, but also just like the the Browns fans that have been I know we're <laughs> not treated particularly I know we're well. up against it for time, so I'll throw this out and we can hear the listeners on the other side. We had a classic bar debate over the holidays when we went to watch the um, Flyers Canucks game at Brew Hall, which mm-hmm. was actually a pretty good spot to watch a game. Um, you threw out the question: if if Joe Flacco takes the Cleveland Browns and wins a Super Bowl this year, is he an automatic Hall of Famer? And we actually had a pretty good debate about it, so I'll throw it out there to the listeners. Fantasy land might not happen, but if it does, Flacco takes the Browns to a Super Bowl. Does Joe Flacco automatically get to go to the Hall of Fame? We'll answer it on the other side with a whole lot of other stuff. Rick Dollywell is going to join us next. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 6.0.